0: GEICO presents, oh, not again, another voicemail from your roommate. Hey, man, so I was in a rush to get to work and I left the back door open. Could you shut it? I left it wide open. Uh, While you're there, could you also turn off the oven and all of the burners? (laughs) My mom never let me use the oven. I wonder why. (laughs) The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if it's your roommate's first time operating an oven. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.
1: Contour from Cox has all your favorites, all in one place. And with the Contour Remote, you can use your voice to find them on live TV, on demand, and streaming apps like Netflix, Prime Video, and more. See cox.com for details. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. And I'm Jen.
0: And we are the Art History Babes.
1: Uh, Today's episode will be talking about the Gorilla Girls, which... I'm particularly excited about because that means we're diving into feminism finally. Woo! <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, it's gonna get a little political. It's gonna get. It's gonna get interesting, though.
2: But also really
1: funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, but before we get started, um, our girl Ginny isn't here today because yeah. she's she's off uh, doing her intern thing, running museums, she's just. Being an amazing woman. Being a
0: business babe. Um,
1: so in her honor, we are drinking gin cocktails. Gin
0: um, for gin. Sp- we miss you, Ginny.
1: <laughs> to Ginny.
0: That's, that's to you.
1: Mm.
2: Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> love you, Ginny. <laughs>
1: Little strong, Nat? <laughs> so be- um, before we get into everything, everyone's been jet setting. We've all been all over the place. And I think there's some good anecdotes that we want to share with you
0: guys. Yeah, just <laughs> traveling a about. What, yeah. let, let's start with, um, why don't we start with Natalie. Oh, Natalie right, went to beautiful, Maui. gorgeous Maui. She, yeah. is, she is so bronze right now, you guys. <laughs> it's a little,
2: unbelievable. A little bit better than my pale complexion I was working with all quarter.
0: Please.
2: Okay, so um, while in beautiful Maui, we saw many an art gallery, which is cool. I didn't realize that there were so many um, art galleries in Lahaina and while at a gallery I was with some friends and one of the guys I was with pointed out that there were like no women <laughs> in the gallery artists huh. female artists there were like two out of the like 20 something artists that they represented and it was really disappointing and that it fits perfectly with our topic this week so just thought I'd throw that out there
0: really appropriate 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 bummer yeah (laughs) an appropriate bummer yeah speaking of appropriate bummers i too had some art moments i went to new york city over the last week in manhattan um went to the met i've never been to the met and it was exciting they have everything and what i noticed however is that they represent women they do they represent women many a naked woman (laughs) painted by a man and newest member of the gorilla girls right here yeah and i mean i just as much as anybody else who has studied art history appreciates the nude feminine body um for what it represents in the sense of studying anatomy or representing these um, archetypes, it was very hard not to notice that there are very few women artists in the Met. And that really is really appropriate to notice, considering that the Guerrilla Girls had one of their most famous posters, actually, um, point out points out that the Met basically represents naked women and not women artists. For a museum that covers an ungodly amount of square footage, it seems very short-sighted that women artists are so pitifully represented.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the statistics are pretty al- alarming and Statistics don't lie, so this isn't this isn't women making a fuss. This is that's, that's hard science.
0: Fact. Is what
1: that is. It's Math. True,
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know, New York City, man. Um, <laughs> gosh, you know, it's a it's a. It's a trip of a place. I also went I also went to the the Noya gallery. That was very interesting. They had a um the Ed Edward Munch exhibit. Ooh. Very cool. Very cool. A lot of existential dread. Um yeah. I left there feeling very existential. And <laughs> um funnily enough, yeah, um many that 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 really characterizes New York City. We saw a man. Existential yeah, dread. Yeah, existential <laughs> dread in New York City. Yeah, we saw a man. This is just another. Th- this has nothing to do with anything. We just saw a guy. <laughs> <That's> just, but <laughs> it's a great story. We <laughs> just saw a guy, and oh, I don't know. It was it was like two in the morning, and of course, you know, we're out. We're we out there. <laughs> and there was a guy, and he's got his entire body just inside of a phone booth, uh like a, a payphone, which was amazing. I've never seen a payphone in within the last like, you know, ten, fifteen years. Yeah. Payphone. And he was uh reciting spoken word, uh a la William Shatner, um, the lyrics to Hotline Bling. <laughs> and yeah. So ironic
2: that it wasn't a cell phone. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't a cell
0: phone. It was. <laughs> did, a... he,
1: did he change the lyrics? To no, Hayfuck he was or?
0: literally <laughs> like, you... he 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 sang very solemnly. Well, you know, he didn't sing. He spoke. He was just like, "You used to call me on my cell phone late night." <laughs> you guys didn't need to know that. I don't know why I just told that story, but anyway. You know, traveling, it's fun, Um, but now I'm back, and we're here, and we're going to do this uh, podcast.
1: And I went to Utah oh yeah They're famous for their art <laughs> <laughs> Un- unfortunately i didn't really experience much art while i was out there i wanted to go see spiral jetty because it's my favorite thing in the oh, world yeah. and it's there it's the official artwork of utah like the official state artwork which is kind of cool
0: wait what happened why didn't you go see it i just didn't have a car oh flying. yeah it's way out there yeah you kind of need a car yeah
1: it's it's really out there i don't think a lift would have taken me out there they would have Probably thought that I was trying to murder them or something. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, went to Utah. Didn't really get to do anything art related, but it was beautiful. I got to be part of a beautiful wedding. So that was awesome. And there was dogs. There were dogs in the wedding. It was so perfect. It was on a mountain. It was, it was art in itself. It was, <laughs> it was art come to life. Um, but, yeah, so we've all been on our little adventures, which has been really nice. A uh, little break from things but now we back
0: we here um
1: we here and we're gonna talk about some stuff um so natalie and jen's stories kind of we're kind of little teasers um concerning what we're talking about today which is the gorilla girls so uh the gorilla girls is a collective that um started in new york city in 1985 And they refer to themselves as feminist activist artists. So that's a lot of descriptors there. A lot of is. Yeah, we got a lot of things going on. Um, I've gotten a few different numbers. One website said over 100 members since 1985. and Their official website said over 55 members. So I don't know. I don't know if there's... Technically, they don't
0: contradict one another. (laughs) They don't.
1: So somewhere in that realm. Um,
0: but, so, That's actually, you know, that's actually part of their tactics is, um, undisclosed numbers of members, so. Yes, anonymity
1: is very important to them, um, which actually kind of leads to the next thing. They, um, they wear gorilla masks when they're in public. They do this as a way to conceal their identity. Um, in addition to the gorilla masks, they also all have adopted pseudonyms of, uh, female artists or just notable female people from the past um like some of the founders like there's Frida Kahlo and Gertrude Stein so
0: Kathy Colwitz yes
1: so you have all these these like um these pseudonyms of notable women so if you hear us if you hear us referring to like famous female artists we're most likely just Talking about it in the context of a, pseudony- a pseudonym, we'll try and be specific, yeah, because it can get very confusing, yeah. But just assume that unless we yeah. unless we clear it
0: up, like Frida wasn't out there um, <laughs> wearing a gorilla, mask. Yes, but she, <laughs> she would have. That we know, she would have. She, she would have been girl, girl. <laughs> Frida.
2: Also, uh, another quick clarification while we're quick. on the topic of clarity. Um, so, gorilla is spelled like gorilla, like you say. it. You'll say it better guerrilla look at she's guerilla. so good she's so pretty so okay so it's pronounced it's spelled g-u-e-r-r-i-l-l-a like Gorilla fighters but the gorilla mask came out of a member who was very bad at spelling which is kind of awesome uh. <laughs> and,
1: <laughs> super cute yeah <laughs> that's what was the story there it just one of their founding members one time just misspelled it. They spelled, spelled it... it gorilla. Yeah, G O R I L L A. The monkey. The ape. Yes. Excuse me, Natalie. Sorry. Not a monkey. And after they made fun of her for a while, they were like, "Wait a minute, that's a really good idea," and that's where the gorilla masks came from. God, so good. Yeah. Right. So don't learn to spell, kids. No need. Um. So yeah, so the Gorilla Girls were founded by seven women artists in the spring of 1985. According to an article written by one of the founding members that's entitled uh, Gorilla Girls Broadband uh, Inside Story, what kind of set it off was that a curator at the MoMA, Canastin uh, McShine? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's not funny.
1: It's not. <laughs> that's quite the name though.
0: Canastin. K- Kn- <laughs>
1: yes Um. so MoMA curator Canastin
0: McShine <laughs> we don't know if that's how you pronounce his name you know honestly we could be butchering this man's name yeah oh but well. I'm not
1: gonna apologize because no, um. he wasn't a good guy I, well I don't know that but he <laughs> this is what he said and this is what kind of started the gorilla girls um he said that anyone not in the exhibition an international survey of painting and sculpture should re-examine his career um oh and dick comment anyway (laughs) and then to like
2: add sexism on top of it
1: for real um and in this particular exhibition of 169 artists only 13 of them were women so um that's not a good ratio um but anyway so the 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 girls who were artists working artists at the time were pretty pissed off about this so um as natalie already mentioned a little bit these kind of statistics are at the heart of a lot of their work um they they use these numbers to really kind of drive their point home like you can't you can't deny that uh 13 out of 169 is a pretty terrible uh ratio so they founded the group they their strategy was kind of they they wanted to name names while still maintaining anonymity um all with a sense of humor so there was this 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 idea that they wanted to do this but they wanted it to be funny um and they wanted to find the right balance between humor and hopelessness because unfortunately (laughs) it is I mean just speaking from a feminist point of view it feels rather hopeless sometimes but the best way to deal with that is humor so what they started doing um is that they started to meet together in smaller groups and figure out ways to kind of engage in this like guerrilla feminism where they wanted to make their message known in a very clear but yet humorous way um it kind of there was there was actually was and continues to be a lot of internal debate in terms of how to go about this because this is a really big like project that the Guerrilla Girls took on like they wanted to just like take on the art world and misogyny in the art and, world and
0: patriarchy and yeah they wanted <laughs> to take
1: down the patriarchy and we all know that is very difficult <laughs> yeah you know we're just out here trying to do it but it's it's hard um so is it hard. <laughs> I don't know. It shouldn't be this hard. It really shouldn't it's be. Hard. <laughs> um, hard. But yeah, so there was a lot of kind of disagreement within the group. Um, one of the examples that kind of stuck out to me was that apparently early on, one of the early members kind of felt that the term girls, like "gorilla girls, was actually demeaning to feminists. Which actually kind of, like, reminded me of us and, like, what we're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, we're the art history babes, and babes has kind of this sexual connotation. Um,
0: Yeah. But,
1: I don't know, we're all... Also a pig connotation.
0: Yeah. Which is awesome. An adorable pig. (laughs) An (laughs) adorable
1: pig. (laughs) Which I am 100% for. What I really
0: like about using words, like, girls or babes or whatever, it's, um... I think that there's nothing wrong or anti-feminist with finding some sort of empowering message or whatever it would be. Through using words like "hey," like we're a bunch of girls, or "hey," like oh look, like we're the babes. I don't know. Yeah, no, guys, think you know? I I mean, we're calling ourselves the Art History Babes. I think now is a good time to talk about what we're calling our (laughs) podcast.
1: Um, I would agree one hundred percent. I mean, I definitely consider it more of an empowering thing. Um, That being said, I also like. I just call people that I like, babe. Like, like me yeah, too. I like you guys, and you're my babe. <laughs> so, like, I just—I think it's just an endearing thing to call people. It's true. I call everyone babe. Yeah, I think
0: it's sort of—it's—it's it's, it's kind of like a—it's like an old blues mama thing. <laughs> <So I'm> like, <laughs> babe.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. I like, anyway, I
2: like, and I like the mentality that feminism and having a feminist outlook is allowing women to make their own decisions and call themselves and other women what they would like to call them. In a way, I think it's valid that this member thought that that was demeaning because for her, maybe it was, whereas it's perfectly rational that other members wouldn't find it to be demeaning. And I don't think
1: either's wrong. Yeah, I I think I think that's like such an important part of feminism that so many people maybe don't quite notice is like, it's about the discussion. It's about the whatever you feel or are experiencing in your in your feminism, in your womanhood, like that is valid and you should be able to discuss it. Like and you yeah. shouldn't shame other women for not feeling maybe
2: the
0: exact way that you do about a certain yeah. situation. I think that feminism, you know, I mean to be super general is that feminism enables women to make their own decisions. And that's it. I don't think that there needs to be much more than that when discussing like what labels they want to use, whether it's something like bitch magazine or Mm -hmm. calling your best friend a slut or a hoe. Like, oh, what's up, slut? I don't know. (laughs) Don't call me a slut. I'll fight you. (laughs) But you know, if that's what you like, then go ahead, you know, and that's fine. It's, no, it's definitely just
1: being able, like, obviously all of us are comfortable with the term babes. We all agreed upon it as our name for our podcast, so, like, (laughs) we obviously all like it. Um, I feel like whenever, when I do tell people the name of the podcast, I've gotten a little bit of, like... Have they scoffed? No, no I don't know scoffing. Right?
0: <laughs> but Has there like... been
1: scoffing? <laughs> Jen's gonna um, go start a fight. <laughs> Someone's scoffing. like but I, Who I do, scoffing. I do think it's kinda of questionable and personally I like that. I like the fact that it, it opens up a conversation. I think that's better than not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I mean I think it's just a term of endearment for us. Now, if like If you don't like being called babe, like, that's fine. Like, you Mm -hmm. have every right to not want to be called that Mm -hmm. as a human being.
0: And if you don't want to be called a gorilla girl, (laughs) you have every right. For real. Um,
1: So anyways, um, back to the gorilla girls. Uh, (laughs) Uh, um, So the gorilla girls in the mid-80s, they started started making a lot of um, what they have referred to as outrageous visuals. Um, a lot of posters and a lot of times they would go out in the middle of the night in New York City in the 80s and they'd put these posters up like every other street artist Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Um, cool yeah right like uh, very grassroots yeah definitely they were right out there at like the beginning of it Um, they probably like ran into like Keith Haring and stuff like out on the streets actually when did he die was he dead yet? I think he died in the early 90s. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but anyways, kind of to get into a discussion of some of those visuals, one of their their early posters from 1988 um, called The Advantages of Being a Woman Artist. And it's just, it's white background, uh, black text. It says The Advantages of Being a Woman Artist takes up like a third of, of the poster um, in big letters. And then there's just a list. And um, this is what it says uh working without the pressure of success not having to be in shows with men having an escape from the art world and your four freelance jobs knowing your career might pick up after you're 80 being reassured that whatever kind of art you make it will be labeled feminine (laughs) not being stuck in a tenured teacher teaching position seeing your ideas live on in the work of others having the opportunity to choose between career and motherhood not having to choke on those big cigars or paint in Italian suits, <laughs> <laughs> having more time to work when your mate dumps you for someone younger, being included in revised version or yeah, being included in revised versions of art history, not having to undergo the embarrassment of being called a genius, getting your picture in the art magazines wearing a gorilla suit, and then at the bottom it says a public service message from Gorilla Girls, uh, conscious. Conscience of the Art World. Um, so this was one of their early posters. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It hurts my heart. I know, right? Oh uh, God. It's um, just, but it's so honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, and funny. They're and yeah, it's pretty funny. So clever. They really are. Um, so that's a big one that they did. And then in '89, they did what? What is probably their most notable image? Um, called Do Women Have to Be Naked to Get into the Met Museum? And this one, it says that's exactly what it says on it. Once again, do women have to be naked to get into the Met Museum? And then they have appropriated um, Aang's Odalisque, um, and then they put a gorilla mask on it. So it looks great. um, If you're not familiar, uh, Aang's Odalisque is just a very uh, famous painting. And it's of a naked sensual woman with no
0: joints. yeah then, that make any
1: sense.
2: <laughs> yeah, <No> it's fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's very like idealized, it's not realistic. I mean it's a beautiful painting, but yeah it's it's a it's an early nude. Do
0: you know when does anyone know when that was painted? I think Aang's Odalisque was probably um, 17th century maybe. Natalie'll look it up for us. Um, we're about to find out
1: but so it, we've got that with the gorilla mask um where the head normally is and then underneath it says less than five percent of the artists in the modern art section are women but 85 percent of the nudes are female
2: that painting is from 18 <laughs> oh,
1: dude. that painting is from 1814 ah it's 17th century yeah 17th century so 1814 um so, yeah, so we have this, and this one was in 89, and that's an
0: accurate statistic. Um, and that's real. I was just there, and i got to say, there are rooms dedicated to naked women, and I don't know where the women artist room yeah. was. Um, and and that's, that's the thing that they've done with
1: this image, actually, is they keep updating it. Um, they, they keep updating it with new statistics and sometimes different museums. Um, I think the most recent of this exact one was in 2012, and the updated statistic is not any better. It's less than 4% of artists in the modern sections are women, but 76% of the nudes are female. So slightly less nudes, um, but also slightly less women artists. So we don't really have a better situation there. Modern fertility. Dang, I really wish I could sing because I wanted to follow that tune, but I cannot sing. I can't sing either, but I just, I like making little jingles. How about it, Nat? I mean,
2: you probably thought about your next step in your career relationship, but what about planning for a baby or a metaphorical baby?
1: Or or planning for not a baby. All of those totally reasonable (laughs) options. Exactly.
2: As a woman, we kind of have to make a decision to either
1: have or not yeah. have babies.
2: And Modern Fertility is here to help with that decision making.
1: Modern Fertility is a quick and easy hormone test you can take at home. So if you're thinking about trying for a baby, or you want to know maybe what your options are for the future, or or if you just want to know more information about kind of how all that works and your hormone levels, and just, you know, generally be informed about your reproductive, Health, which is a great thing to be informed of, modern fertility is here to help. So I was able to take it and got my results back
2: within like eight days, pretty quick. It took me to the website where they had all my information and I'm happy to say that nothing came back alarming. It was really easy to understand and they use very simple language, but they also have options where you can read into the different hormones more closely. So if you do have something that maybe is slightly out of whack, you can read more about it and figure out, you know, how to raise or lower or what that might mean for your day-to-day life it's really interesting or your fertility i guess i was kind of just looking at it for my day-to-day but um speaking from experience like yeah i definitely feel a little more empowered just knowing that all of my hormones are working and doing what they're
1: supposed to do yeah that is definitely good news also It is very affordable compared to similar testing. Um, Oftentimes that kind of testing can cost over $1,000. But with Modern Fertility, you can get the exact same information for just $159.
2: That's such a good price. Yeah. Plus, you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse once you get your results. So you can get answers to questions that you might have, specific questions that are related to your results, and that is really valuable.
1: Yeah. So it's just great information to have, very affordable price, very easy to do, comfort of your own home. Don't even have to go to the doctor's office.
2: And right now Modern Fertility is offering Art History Babes listeners twenty dollars off their test when you go to modernfertility.com slash
1: history babes. That's twenty dollars off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility dot com slash history babes. Modernfertility dot com slash history babes. Modern fertility. Boop, boop, boop. Um and then in twenty fourteen um, they kind of did a newer version that kind of branches out a little bit into a different realm of visual culture in which um, it says, do women have to be naked to get into music videos? And then they've kind of superimposed this like naked woman. I don't know if she's actually from a music so video. That,
2: yeah, I got I got the background on this one. All right. So this was a piece that they appropriated for Pharrell's Girl Show in, what was that, 2010? This was 2012. I think it was 2014. 2014. All right. Yeah. Okay. So in 2014, Pharrell Williams, um, babe, he, <laughs> I can call him that because we have that sort of relationship. Um, he did a gal or he did an ex, exhi- uh, He curated an exhibition titled Girl, and he opened it at the Perotin Gallery in France and wanted to include and empower women artists. So um he asked the guerrilla girls to do to create work for the show. They accepted but on the condition that they could address the um inclusion of women in the music industry, specifically music videos, and if they could also address the women represented by the gallery. So they were able to take swings at not only Mu- music video culture visual culture but also at the gallery where the show was exhibited and they were allowed to do that which is pretty cool um so they pointed out or er, within the image or er, yeah within the image that Corey was talking about earlier they included um what's her name Emily Rada. what's that her name Radha Jan- I can't say her last name Rada Janowski I can't say it. She is you guys know her. <laughs> <laughs> She's the one who's naked in the music video. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry for butchering your name, girl. But um she I meant that in a friendly whatever. <laughs> so it's her body. And that's been superimposed over the original Still with the Gorilla Mask. Um, and then it basically says, Do women have to what do women have to be naked to be in music videos? And they showed it at the thing. And if you guys don't know, Pharrell was in the music video that that is calling out. So kudos to you for being a good sport Pharrell. Robin Thicke, think about your actions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Think about your life and your decisions. (laughs) Well, I mean, everyone saw the whole Miley Cyrus situation with uh, Robin Thicke, right? No. When they perform together? Yeah. So, I mean, let's say I think it's safe to say that he might not have the greatest idea about oh, yeah. feminism. But that's okay. You know what? He's going to learn. Yeah. He's going to learn today. And that is a damn catchy song. I, I really love. like that song. I, I know, do. It's terrible. I... I, like, when I really
1: stopped and thought about it, I was like, shit. <clears throat> like, I want to like this song. Bad but... feminists. I know. Oh, God, God. <laughs> so disappointed oh, God, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> anyway, um, so that's kind of some of the more contemporary stuff they've been doing, and yeah, kudos to Pharrell for getting in there and just like for real.
0: Yeah, so oh, yeah. he he goes by for real now. Yes. I, that's what I heard. I don't know why he would do this. Um, you know, everyone's <laughs> taking a cue off of Prince. I just want to, mm. you know, rebrand. Anyway, for real, Pharrell, we I, salute you. Yeah, we need
2: to look this up. I feel like I
0: new
1: name, same beautiful face. Yeah, same ageless face. Yes, he has not aged a day since I was in to middle mix it school. Up
2: because yeah. he doesn't
1: look any differently, <laughs> yeah. so he needs to sound different and just wear really big hats.
0: <laughs> Smoky bear, Pharrell, I love
1: you so much. Yeah, we all do. Um,
0: <laughs> Pharrell, if you're listening. <laughs> We love
1: you. (laughs) Come on our show sometime. Um, Okay, so kind of like what you can get from these images, which will be posted on our website, arthistorybabes.com, is that their style, they kind of appropriated the visual language of advertising, which was just a very popular thing that started in the 80s um jenny holzer is a great female artist who did this a lot in the 80s she's one of my personal favorites so you should check her out but that was just a big thing um with like the advent of street art also just like this appropriation of this like advertisement um style and that's exactly what they were doing and continue to do they have also um written a couple of books that are pretty incredible um the first one we have here and it's called the gorilla girl's bedside companion to the history of what's western art Um, you you guys should buy this book oh this is the second book Mm -hmm. okay i
2: yeah no i thought it was the second one too but or the first one but they have a 1995 book called confessions of a gorilla girl
1: Okay, so that's the first book, Confessions of a Gorilla Girl. And then The Bedside oh. Companion was published in 98. And this one, I think, is their most known book. Yeah, um, It's a
0: great book, you guys. It I, is. I would suggest buying it. Um, at least go check it out at your library. It's a fun book. And what really makes this book for me are the quotes. Every, you know, because um, I don't know how many of our listeners out there are acquainted with the um rigors of the survey art history class um but you know that it's kind of broken down from like classical era to like romantic art and um like impressionism and modernism and contemporary so the book is divided up in these sections much as your um, typical survey art history textbook would look like. And at the beginning of each section are some lovely quotes by contemporary writers of the given era. Um, I really enjoy a few of these here. This one's good. Um, It is absurd to argue from an analogy with wild animals. And say that men and women ought to engage in the same occupations, for animals do not do housework. Oh, Aristotle! <laughs> <laughs> From the fourth oh, century B.C. Aristotle. Aristotle. That's... He was wrong on just about everything, and this is a fun book, you guys. Really. Check it out.
2: And especially if you are the proud owner of an overly priced art historical survey text Mm -hmm. like Gardner's, you owe yourself buying this book to go along with it. It is much more reasonably priced at about $20 on Amazon. Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. (laughs) (laughs) You can get it for even cheaper used. I mean, it's very funny and interesting. But also highly
1: informative
0: and 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 real. I
1: I feel like that would be a really just fun thing to do, to go through your your gardener's survey text right alongside of this this one and just, like, see the difference. I feel like that could be really interesting.
0: What does that look like?
1: A vagina. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, anyway, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm doing like a live oh, reading this, of this. is this the book. book of Hours? Yes. Oh, okay, girl, oh, nice Book of Hours. Oh, that, that's the clitoris. Yes,
1: definitely the little star it's at a the top. Star.
0: <laughs> that's that's my star. star. <laughs> <laughs> that's a Very prominent Boobo! star. Boy. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so what we're
1: looking at is essentially an illuminated manuscript. um
0: by hildegard von bingen yes
1: um and i i love illuminated manuscripts they're beautiful um but the the image that the specific image is um it in certain ways it's,
0: it, like, it's like a mandala yeah
1: it's like a mandala but kind of in the shape of the female anatomy a little bit and uh, it's
0: definitely genitalia yeah definitely um but well, it's It's modest genitalia. Yeah.
1: It's not I mean we're talking in terms of just like yeah, in terms of Yeah. We're talking like shapes and stuff. It doesn't actually look like a vagina, but um you can tell what's going on here. And yeah, there's this there's this very um pronounced little star at the top that I think you're right. That's probably (laughs) that's probably uh a clitoris. The sweet spot. that's that's the clitoris.
0: um the point of I'm just like saying it's it. cl- clitoris <laughs>
2: you're gonna get us like rated nr, know, N-R- right? i'm
0: sorry oh, i'm sorry that's i know it's a dirty word i know it's, it's not it's, it's a beautiful it's, word we right need, it's right? not
1: dirty yeah we need to we need to own these yeah the, the breathy, breathy the
0: breathy clitoris is a little <laughs> much it's the name of my uh my punk band my, clitor- my riot <laughs> girl band <laughs> Anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the point, the, the the point of discussing this image is that in the um, Gorilla Girls bedside companion to the history of Western art, you will see artworks that you may not normally see in your conventional art history survey textbook, and yes, they can be kind of funny. But honestly, there's a lot of really interesting information here, just illuminating how much this art is neglected in your everyday, um, like Pearson textbook. Yeah, definitely. And and that's and and that's really problematic because these are the textbooks that are being sold to undergraduates at colleges for hundreds of dollars, as literally the history of art. Exactly. Here is
1: this book. This is the entire history of art for you, and it's it's just not. It's not the truth. Um, but that image we were just discussing, we'll put up on the website. <laughs> for yeah, you, you get to see it You'll because we, see... we
0: went on for a while. And about I think, it. yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's not as uh, as erotic. <laughs> it's not as, as we made it sound. Pornographic. people <laughs> yeah. yeah. like, are like like... gonna look at it and be like, that? Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, that's what you guys were looking uh, yeah. at.
1: Yeah, no, it's we're actually really be- <laughs> it's really beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah, so anyways, it's. A really amazing little book they put together. You should definitely check it out. I love this book. (laughs) Um, Another book they wrote um, in 2003. I have not got my hands on yet, but I really, really want to. Um, It's called Bitches, Bimbos, and Ball Breakers. (laughs) The Gorilla Girls Illustrated Guide to Female Stereotypes. Where the Gorilla Girls, um, essentially, they go into the female stereotypes that are um, pervasive throughout culture, um, including the old maid, the trophy wife, the prostitute, and the heart of gold. Um, And I don't know, I'm personally really interested in, like, female archetypes and female stereotypes, so I feel like this could be a really fascinating book. But, um, yeah, unfortunately I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. Yeah, we, we don't have that one. What do you have? Um, We have the Amazon preview.
0: Ooh. Oh, Amazon.
1: Amazon's getting, they should be sponsoring us right now. Like, they're getting a lot of airtime. Amazon,
0: if you're listening, (laughs) we're out here. (laughs) No, you are.
1: (laughs) So in the preview, we've got this image, um, and it's of a, a gorilla girl, a woman standing with her back to the audience with wearing no shirt and wearing a gorilla girl's mask. Um. And then the text in the background says not an Aunt Jemima, ball breaker, biker chick, bimbo bitch, bombshell bra burner, bull dike, butch, call girl, Carmen Miranda, China doll, dumb blonde, feminazi, flapper, geisha girl, next door, gold digger, good Catholic girl, harem girl, ho home girl. Hot Tamale, Indian Princess, Jewish Princess, Lady Boss, Lipstick, Lesbian, Lolita, Madam, Mother Teresa, Nympho, Old Hag, Old Maid, Pinup Girl, Prude, Rosie the Riveter, Slut Soccer Mom, Squaw Stage Mom, Supermodel, Tokyo Rose, Tomboy, Trophy Wife, Valley Girl, Vamp Wicked Stepmother, Yummy (laughs) Mummy. And it says, don't stereotype me. Yeah. So that's kind of, that was was a
0: mouthful. Yeah,
1: that's a lot of alliteration. Thank you. You read that very well. (laughs) Good job. Thank you so much. Yeah, Um, Um, girl, that's
0: like some, I want to like snap to that. (laughs) I
1: wanted to be a rapper in middle school, so there. (laughs) (laughs) It's finally coming full circle. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so in addition to all of that visual material and their books, they've also staged. So many protests and so many workshops. If you go onto their website, which is guerrillagirls.com, I believe, they have an archive that's just insane. Like you can go back all the way back to the beginning and it's just like every little thing they've done and they have done so much. So you should definitely look into it. Um, some other notable things about the Guerrilla Girls, they have work that kind of focuses on other political social issues, not just issues in the art world. Um, One example is a poster they did in 1991 um, in which it says, um, question, what's the difference between a prisoner of war and a homeless person? And the answer is, um, under the Geneva Convention, a prisoner of war is entitled to food, shelter, and medical care. And then there's an image of kind of just this, like, I think it's like a cop just bothering a homeless person. It's nothing violent, but he's just kind of, like, poking at this homeless person um, on a bench. Um, so their, their work definitely um, springs outward into other political issues and other social issues, um, not just those within the art world. Um, but in terms of those issues in the art world, that's obviously been their main concern as as they were formed by artists, so they're, they're more entrenched in that. And I don't know, do you want to talk about this, Jen? Kind of how the whole idea came from this idea, like it came from the fact that the art world is very much, the art world, the art market is very much run by just billionaire white men art collectors, and that has... Um, led to basically their interests being at the forefront of what's actually being shown in our collections, and that's a problem for obvious reasons.
0: Yeah, so in 1986, the Guerrilla Girls had a series of panels as well as conventions where um, essentially responding to criticism of um, not being very accessible by press or art collectors or curators, the people that they're essentially um lambasting in, in their in in their activism complain. They said, well, how are we supposed to respond to these activists? We don't we don't know who they are. We can't talk to them. Um so they responded and in 1986 there were um there was one panel entitled the um it was called passing the buck and that one was passing the bucks an evening with art dealers so in the passing the bucks panel uh, freelance writer steven westfall um who was actually admired not admired but maybe given high marks among the gorilla girls as being a writer who devoted at least 30% of his articles to women artists. Westfall emphasized that the prejudice in the art world reflects prejudice in culture at large. And his quote was that the big money art world is a world of privilege and the patriarchy of Western culture is accentuated in arenas of privilege. Um, So that really, I think, sums it up very well. um, What... Is essentially happening in most of the contemporary art world the contemporary art world is a world that is ruled by money and in spheres of especially in the united states which is a quintessential like capitalist country the the white male really does dominate the elite art world and well there's... to
1: to be fair too like it's i mean it's definitely very real in the contemporary art world but it is it's always been the <coughs> reality like the reality of the art world it's always been um this was actually a quote from an interview with some of the girl girls but the history of art is the history of power it's the history yeah. of who's in power and it's its expression of what they want to be expressed like if you go all the way like if we go back to the 17th century, you're, it's just kings and queens having themselves painted because that's what they want to be shown. So it's it's kind of those in power, and typically those in power are the ones with money, showing their experience and what they want to be shown.
2: And it's, it's slightly transitioned because when we're talking, you know, 17th century through, I, I mean, way further back, but also I'd say through the 19th, Maybe Mm -hmm. century, you're dealing with the wealthy commissioning works. So, what they want is what gets created. Whereas now, you know, artists have more freedom in what they create, but to a certain degree, you can only make a living creating what will be bought. Yeah. So, if the buyers are predominantly white males, then you have the best luck selling things that they want to buy. Mm -hmm. And that's just, you know, it's kind of turned on its head, but not in a positive way, just pretty much the same situation.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah, and something that the Guerrilla Girls are doing that is really beneficial in the sense of, like, second wave feminism and other theorists is that they're not just... Okay, so, you know just pause so first wave feminism we can think of as like the 1960s early 1970s these are the feminists that were popularized by their like bra burning sort of um like public um, demonstrations and unfortunately these these um demonstrations i think sort of changed or or they, it sort of like tainted the message of feminism a little bit. I think that moderates who saw what was happening at these rallies were more likely to label feminists as extremists mm-hmm. who were essentially grandstanding and and kind of um too extreme really I think to become Popularized among like mainstream media culture which as much as I wish that that wasn't an issue it is an issue um you can't really expect nowadays even your message to really become um like popularized and and popularized among moderates if you are maybe too extreme or or you know because what is the stereotype that we think of that people say nowadays about feminists that they're man haters yep. or you know they're ah oh, like angry man haters who like burn their bras and don't shave their armpits or whatever, which is fine. I don't shave my armpits, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Hey, <laughs> um, no thing. It's fine. But anyway, veering off topic. Second wave feminism which is the era that the Guerrilla Girls really became popular in, is more characterized as, in, as offering useful critiques of like the world at large, and especially the world that's characterized by this late industrial capitalism that really characterizes many Western nations, especially the United States. And the art world which both mirrors and magnifies the inner workings of this capitalist system is a really great place to have these conversations about how women are being represented. Where are they? What are they doing? And I think that one of the greatest things that the gorilla girls had to offer in especially in the 80s but you know very much so now is um critiquing you know what's happening in the art world you know who's in charge and what basically it comes down to is the people who are in charge of the investors so investors are attracted to art because it's one of the least regulated markets in our economy excuse me So, you can stockpile, you can price fix, you can inside trade. All of these are normative practices in the art market and they benefit the elite, which are most often white male.
1: Yeah. Um, Going back to the particular waves of feminism, the whole, like, I mean, it can all be quite nebulous, just like any social movement, um, but I'm I think the second wave actually started in the 60s and went through the 80s. And then the third wave started in the 90s. And I think we're moving into the fourth wave, which is intersectional feminism,
2: I'm pretty sure.
0: As we watch the suburban garden gnome carefully, carefully without disturbing it, we notice that it moves like, not at all. It's inanimate and utterly without brain function, but... Despite that, when a garden gnome hears about how Geico not only saves people money, but also gives them access to licensed agents 24-7 online and over the phone, it's clear to them you should switch. Because yes, switching to Geico is a no-brainer. But on second thoughts, maybe don't watch garden gnomes too carefully. People might talk. Which is what they've been critiqued. Yes. Um, Yeah, that's actually
1: a um, good little segue. Um, So yeah, so to kind of kind of try and define it a little bit. Um, but second wave feminism did start in the 60s with like the, with the bra burning and everything like that. Um, and it went all the way through the 80s. Um, I think Riot Girl kind of started at the, at the tail end of second wave. And then we moved into third wave. And now a lot of people are saying we're moving into fourth wave, which is not even referred to as fourth wave. It's intersectional feminism. Um, and the thing with the Girl Girls is they have been critiqued for not being intersectional enough. And what intersectional feminism does is, it's not a lot of the previous ways of feminism, all the way back to when we were first, you know, like fighting for the vote. It was, it really was white women looking out for for a lot of times looking out for the concerns of white women, and that's a problem too because it's a that's still a pretty privileged group. Um, so now inter- intersectional feminism is this idea that if you're a feminist, you need to look out for the concerns of pretty much all underrepresented people, women, people of color, minorities, anything. Like, you, they need to be a part of your feminism. Um, and the Guerrilla Girls have been kind of critiqued on this level because they're not particularly diverse. There are There is some diversity in their group, but once again, it's a, it's a low margin. Of diversity so there have definitely been some issues there um, but it from what I can tell they're trying to correct that right yeah now.
2: and I mean they've always their message has always been intersectional in that they I mean their motto is to represent women and people of color that's been their motto from the beginning it's just in practice where people can kind of look at them and say hey we have a lot of white women yeah
1: you know. Yeah. A lot lot of white women tell me <laughs> what's good for me. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, there's another the other notable thing I wanted to mention, our girl Yoko Ono, mm-hmm. and I don't mean that as a pseudonym. We're actually talking about Yoko Ono. <laughs> the real Yoko. Um she in two thousand ten gave uh courage awards for the arts to three of the active gorilla girl groups so kind of like i mentioned before there has been something like, moving around and some offshoots like smaller groups that were like that are associated with the gorilla girls like there's kind of been um some split but they all have the same concerns um but anyways yoko ono gave this award to three different groups uh gorilla girls on tour gorilla girls inc and gorilla girls broadband um in recognition of their outspoken support for women artists for challenging a male-dominated art establishment and for their untiring efforts against sexism. And, I mean, if Yoko says it's good,
0: then... I love her, I (laughs) want to be her, (laughs) I want to... That
2: would be your gorilla girl name.
0: Yoko Ono!
1: Oh my god.
0: Yeah. You know that I went to the Dakota in New York City, and I wanted to scream outside her window? I was like, Yoko! (laughs) Come down here! (laughs) Um, I did not do that, by
1: the way. If, I, you, if you follow <laughs> us on Twitter, you will have noticed that I retweet Yoko Ono all on the, the time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and- Back to the Gorilla Girls. <laughs> you know, one thing that I sort of want to maybe leave us off on, I don't know, is um, this really amazing panel that they did in 1986 in New York, New York City... At the College Art Association, the Gorilla Girls participated in something called the Anger Panel. And the Anger Panel was an event in New York City where the Gorilla Girls, in their typical black leather jackets, gorilla masks, and buttons proclaiming, I am a Gorilla Girl, um, would played the a tape. They played a the tape at their Anger Panel, and the tape repeated over and over. I'm a gorilla girl, and I'm not at all incest that the Museum of Modern Art showed only 13 women of the 169 artists in their International Survey of Painting and Sculpture show, or that the Carnegie International had only four out of 42. I know these figures occurred only by chance. There was no sexism, conscious or unconscious at work. I'm a gorilla girl, and I think that the art world is perfect. And I would never think of complaining about any of the wonderful people in it. After all, women artists make fully one whole third of what male artists make. So what's there to be mad about? I mean, it's not nice to get angry. I wouldn't dream of getting angry. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to listen to this. And the reason why I love this is because there has been a long-standing tradition in the history of modern civilization to characterize women's anger as a symptom of a deeper like, psychological issue. And I find it very powerful when feminist writers or activists use these sorts of um, tactics... You know, this mm-hmm. it's I mean it's pretty passive aggressive. And that's it's it's sort of where we're at now, right? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> in our in our tactics against um the patriarchy. Well, it's
1: the whole it's the whole like um hysteria uh argument, you know, if like a woman's upset or if she's mad or if she has emotions. She's crazy. Yeah, there's something poor
2: opinions. <laughs> yeah, right. There's
1: something going on Physically in her lady parts that are making her, cry. like, that's where it all came from. Like, that's where the term hysteria came from. Yeah. Like, yeah. that there, I mean, it, it all attaches to that we're emotional and we, we, we're we not logical. Like, of course not, because we have emotions. We're just, we're not logical beings. And um, so the gorilla Girls in that particular instance are really just kind of taking that and just like, just like, um, kind of flipping it on its head and, and saying, like, okay, if this is what you think, then fine. Like, we'll, we'll be emotional or, like, we're going to be sarcastic about our emotions to kind of get our point across.
0: And I think that's kind of where we are right now as far as the feminine the feminist presence that we are aware of right now in the 21st century, sort of to bring it all back home uh, we're all familiar with um like Tumblr and other social media outlets that have become a very uh, active sort of forum for um social issues and it seems to me that this tactic of turning on its head, these stereotypes of women being insane people for being upset or in any way not okay with whatever it is that they're being forced to sort of accept. I think that that's a really great tactic. I appreciate that the Guerrilla Girls are doing this and it seems to me like it's a tactic that's going to continue in their activism as well as other feminist activism. Sort of to bring it all back home. I think that the art world is a wonderful place for modern day feminists to pay attention to. If you're listening to this episode and you consider yourself a feminist and you consider yourself somebody who thinks that visual culture is compelling and, and important and maybe even dangerous if not taken um, seriously if you believe that these things are real, I think that it's really important to pay attention to what's going on and to be really open and outspoken about indiscretions or discrepancies among representations of genders and and what this means, and not just genders too, but like different races and different you know like who's who's being represented and whose voice is not being heard.
2: Natalie, do you want to... I just... I want... uh. (laughs) I would like to share my favorite, my personal favorite, of the Gorilla Girls um, public service announcements. This one is actually written in the form of a letter, and it's very Tumblr-friendly. It's pink. It's written in loopy cursive handwriting. So Tumblr. Very aesthetically pleasing. It's adorable. (laughs) It's adorable so um oh a little sad face like little flower objectively adorable (laughs) i think we're all okay i'm sorry (laughs) i didn't mean to interrupt i'm sorry so um it it says dearest art collector it has come to our attention that your collection like most does not contain enough art by women we know that you feel terrible about this and will rectify the situation immediately all our love gorilla girls oh so yeah again that's so sweet yeah it's, it's cute and it's also upsetting but it's it's a playful and humorous take on a really serious issue for female artists and
0: yeah i like but it I, yeah
1: exactly i mean i also just love it though i like obviously the sarcas the sarcasm in it is what's so great because it's like it's so undeniably feminine And it's like this idea that as females, we need to, you know, we need to apologize and we need to, we need to um, essentially be the, the softer ones in the situation. If we want to, if we want to come forward with an issue, we have to do it on pink paper with cursive lettering and we have to, we have to draw a little flower and we have to be very like, I know like we have to just be very accommodating. Like, I'm sorry
0: I'm complaining. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know this is really hard for you. <laughs> <laughs> because you've always gotten everything you've ever
1: wanted and so I'm, I'm really
0: sorry. I'm really
1: sorry about it. Um so like that's what just it, like I like from a visual standpoint it really um expresses what females are expected to be and expected to do and that makes it all the more powerful i think but yeah i mean they have they have a whole series of these don't Mm -hmm. they they have quite a few different letters
2: they're great they will be on the website
1: yes
0: if you've never (laughs) heard of the Gorilla girls you know a few things about them now and we highly encourage you to do a little bit of research see what they've done see what they're doing and get to know the gorilla girls and also pay attention and question everything. (laughs) (laughs) On that note. Uh,
1: Um, okay. So, (laughs) so anyways, thanks so much for listening. Um, next week's episode, uh, I think we'll be, we'll be recording live poolside. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, It's going to be, it's going to be nice. It's going to be so good. And we will be covering, uh, representations of the Bacchanal next week throughout history bring on the
0: Bacchanal
1: yes um, so get ready to party with us by the pool with a drink in hand uh, we look forward to it we hope which you look forward are, to it which are both my hands by <laughs> the way double fisting um, but yeah if you have any questions or comments on this episode please email us at arthistorybabes at com. Um, As we mentioned before, we're on pretty much every social media platform. So like us, follow us. Um, Our website's arthistorybabes.com. We would love to hear from you. Any suggestions or ideas for future episodes would be great. Um, But thank you so much for listening. And um...
0: thanks for tuning in, guys. Bye. Geico presents, oh, not again, another voicemail from your roommate. Hey, man, so I was in a rush to get to work and I left the back door open. Could you shut it? I left it wide open. Uh, While you're there, could you also turn off the oven and all of the burners? (laughs) My mom never let me use the oven. I wonder why. (laughs) The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if it's your roommate's first time operating an oven. Visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.